0: Hey, yo, what it do? What it do, everybody? What's your boy? It's your boy, C. Dubman. Welcome back to another episode of Weepcast. And hey, there's a lot of juicy things in here on this episode of Weepcast. We're going to be talking about the Japanese anime TV rankings. I'm going to talk about, and there's a show on there at the top 10 that kind of surprised me on that ranking. Also, um, we're going to talk about, there's also in this episode, you're going to be hearing me talk about some of the uh, Seven Deadly Sins sequel manga and the hell is that going to mean for the canon for seven deadly sins what is the um sequel manga going to be about who is it featuring what's all what's all that crazy it's going to be about also i also do some awesome manga reviews i got two great manga views for you guys coming into this episode and um and um em, the great priest emotech volume one and also um my room is a dungeon uh store shop um, Banyuan, also, as well. Also, we talk about a lot of other cool things on this. We talk about some other new manga that is um, ending and starting. We're going to talk about one of my favorite, absolute favorite uh, mangakas and uh, Kudamanda Sensei, the creator of uh, the writer and artist for uh, Saint Seiya and his manga that is on Shonen Jump Plus app um, that just ended its recent arc and will be going into a brand new arc. So, you guys are going to hear me talk about a little bit about that as well and much. Much, much more. Hope you guys enjoy this uh, episode. Uh, make sure you guys get a drink, get some snacks. It's going to be quite a treat. And wherever you may be listening to this podcast, um, whether it be on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, make sure you guys rate, review, subscribe. Let me know what you guys think of the podcast. What do you want? And let me know what you want to see in the future. And and wherever you may be, make sure you go to my uh, Twitter. Um, and you can check out my anchor profile, and there you can actually give a donation to the show. Um, a very small donation you can donate to the show to enhance, um, your experience, enhance, um, um, future episodes of the show, see, get more guests, get better guests, um, and just more juicier, uh, Weepcast content. Make sure you guys check that out at anchor.fm slash Weepcast slash support. Um, all donations are, um, are greatly appreciated and will be shouted out on the episode and if you also but if you don't want to donate you want to still be shouted out on the episode you can also on anchor leave a voice message you can leave a voice message um right even without even using the anchor app you could just use uh on safari on your phones leave a voice message and i will get it and it will be played on the next episode of wecast that's pretty damn cool right so Make sure you guys do that. Uh, make sure you guys check all that all that juicy information on Anchor on how to support the Weedcast, uh app. I mean, the WeCast podcast show, which is you know the number one, <laughs> number one uh, anime and manga show out on the airwaves with your fearless leader C Dub. Um, I'm not gonna hold you guys too long. I'm gonna get out of here and right off, right after this little break, you're gonna be hearing some the sweet dulcet tones of my voice talk about some anime and manga. I'll see you on the other side. Let me just be real with you guys. When you think of anime, you think of Crunchyroll. When you think of food delivered real fast, you think of Postmates. So when you think of podcasting, what do you think of, or at least when I think about podcasts, I think about Anchor. Anchor is the perfect place if you want to start your podcast. You can talk about all kinds of things. You don't just have to talk about some weave stuff that I talk about. See, Hey, yo. It's Weebcast Radio. Hey, welcome back. It's your boy, Zito, the fearless leader of the Weebcast, number one anime among show out on the airwaves right now. And we're going to go right into the news. Let's start off with something small. Let's start off with something real quick. As you guys know, if you're a veteran to the show, you already know I love, I love, I love, I love, I love talking about the anime, Japanese animation TV rankings week to week. I think it's valuable information, um, especially for American audiences, because um, obviously we, you know, 90% of you people, 92% of you people that listen to the podcast are listening from America, so, um, I like to just give a little insight on what, what, what Japanese audiences are watching in terms of anime, um, right, currently, from week to week, um, and at least that's my philosophy because I feel like we can learn we can learn a lot of trends um, compared to what we're watching. You know, um, usually we comp- and usually I can compare that to like maybe the Toonami rankings usually, since that's the main hub for dubbed anime in in the states for at least on TV. At least on TV, and these Japanese animation TV rankings don't count for streaming. Um. And these are estimates of a percentage of the population that watch a given program, um, based on data from surveys from household in the Japanese Kanto regions. Um, these recordings um, don't count recordings that that viewers watch later. But let me get into it. I'll get. It, I'll, I'll just do the little quick rundown, and then I'm gonna spot the thing that really kind of that um, that intrigued me on this week's, uh, Japanese anime TV ratings, um, obviously, I haven't talked about it a lot, because it's a children's kind of show, or at least it's geared to children, or more of a family kind of thing, you know, but, uh, Saze H-san, once again, for another week, is at the top of the rankings, with a household rating of 11.4, um, Detective Conan this time, second place, very strong rating, with a 7.9, um, Chibi Maruko Kosan, seven point five. Um, the animated version of Curious George, um, or an anime version of Curious George, um, with the severe drop off, at least from the from the from the previous spot, three with three point nine and a household rating, um, which I did. I was My Hero Academia with a 3.8 rating and outdid this Korea George show outdid one piece <laughs> with a 3.8 rating. Um, some other notable ones there at the bottom of the, uh, of the ranking this week, but Doraemon with a 3.6, very low considering it's, I mean, if you guys I've talked about in the last few kind of weekly, um, news cycle kind of sh- episodes and Doraemon's mines usually in the top three or four with with a strong rating um, usually does better than one piece Boku no hero or Hero Academy, and um, some in most cases detective Conan uh, but this time' it's on the near the bottom of the list uh, but the bottom of this list for to this week, and which brings me to the interesting thing that I'm that I, that I want to look into I hope you guys help me out on here it. is a show that of GG and GG no Kitado. Um, with a rating of, I think it was, I'm pretty sure if I let me write it, if I wrote that down, 3.5. 3.5 uh, rating at the bottom of the list. Um, now I know very little about this show. Um, but I'll, I'll run it down. I'll give you what I know. <laughs> Most of it's bare bones. Um, I know that it's, it's, it's a spring, it was a spring 2018 anime, um, I think it's right now with 97 episodes, I believe, um, and it's usually given, and it's usually given in um, the name of Spooky T- Kitaro, um, I'm pretty sure it's a finished anime, and I'm pretty sure, um, that it finished in this current, in this, in the spring anime 2020 season, I'm. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's a finished anime. Um, I did write down a quick synopsis of this to make sure. Uh, but nearly 20 years of the 21st century, people have forgotten the existence of yokai. When a number of unexplainable phenomena plague adults of the human world. With confusion and chaos, 13-year-old Mana writes a letter to the yokai post in search of answers, only to be greeted by the GGG no Kitaro. The spooky Kitaro. And that was from the help of Crunchyroll. Um. I'm interested in why, in why this was. I guess maybe. I'm guessing since it was a finished anime. I'm, I'm assuming that the this finale episode was the one that was airing. That's why it got the 3.5 rating. And why it, it hit the top 10. Or at least hit the top 10 of, uh, of, you know, for viewership. In the past week. March 16th to the 22nd. Um. That's what I'm guessing. Um, so it's impressive. Pe- there was a number of people. Out of all the anime that someone could have watched. Or all the anime that's that's put onto Japanese animation tel- on TVs. <laughs> that somebody. That a number of people. <laughs> sat down and watched live. Spooky Kataro. And it's. And its final season, um, or final episode episodes, I, I'm assuming um, enough to get close to the rain, uh, household rating of that of My Academia and One Piece and the Raymon. <laughs> Um There's some other. There's also. Some other, I, I, I okay. you guys are gonna have to let me know about what the show. If you guys ever watch Spooky Guitar, please give me some information on it. Um, like I said before, it's about 97 episodes and I'm pretty sure the 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 final episode just premiered, um, not too long ago. Um, so there's obviously an audience for it. Um, there's obviously an audience for it. Um, for people to watch it over, I mean, look, some of the, we talk about the big TV stations in Japan that show primarily anime, um, over the weekend. I mean, they show anime throughout the week, but the bigger anime, their bigger, the top animes they put on the week on the Saturdays, Fridays, and the Sundays, uh, we're talking about Fuji TV, we're talking NTV, we're talking about NHKE, um, and TV Asahi, and uh, uh, yeah, is it TV As- Asahi? I think that's what it's called, I'm pretty sure, TV Asahi, those are the major networks for people who watch for who watch anime. Um, and I'm pretty sure Gigi or Spooky Katara comes on Fuji TV. Um, the same network that premier that airs my, that pre- premieres One Piece, I believe. Um, and Chibi Maruko san which is another kind of a children's show. Really, you know, like a, like a kid, like a kid, children, children's kind of show. And Sazae-san, another children's show, family-time family kind of show, which I'm going to talk about later, because Sase san did get an, an honorable... It's going to get an honorable mention on this show, and I want to talk about it. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to watch the show. Maybe I might watch some episodes here and there just to get a sense. I don't think it has like an overarching kind of plot type of show. Uh, I don't think it has anything in that kind of merit that I... From just looking... From me looking on the outside, gazing in, um... But it wasn't a news, and that's a news, and we're definitely going to talk a little bit about that because I found that something interesting, and it's a first for something, um, and you might not believe it. Um, but back on Spooky Yotaro, and when I was doing a little bit of re- just doing, a, I did bear because I didn't want to look too much into it. Um, all I did was look up, try to see what was. I looked up several um, spoiler-free synopsises and reviews on it. Uh, I saw a little bit of the animation. Um I saw some kind of uh some screenshots of that um and I saw that it's and I and I did see that it's based off of a uh, of an original manga. And it's usually with I know it has demons, it's comedy, it's real, it's that's got some comedy to it, supernatural and then it's shonen. Um and also that I saw that it's done by Toei Animation, so which could be either really exciting or really frightening until I get to watch it. From the from the screenshots I've seen, they've looked pretty damn good. Um, I, I maybe Toei really likes this anime. Maybe the Toei really cares about this, other than some of the other like One Piece, because obviously One Piece doesn't get enough money doesn't get enough manpower for some episodes. For the important episodes where Luffy's going to shine, show off, or a new character gets presented, they probably get some of their best people. They probably put some time and effort and care into it, more effort into it, surely. But from just the regular episode, day to day, I don't think One Piece gets the same attention as some of the other shows Toei produces and animates. Um, But Spooky Guitaro is going to be, It's going to have to be one I'm going to have to look into. It's a whopping 97 episodes. Um, But if you guys would like to be to watch it and to review it, or if you'd like to watch it with me and help me review it as well, make sure to leave a voice message here on if you're listening to the show on Anchor or hit me up on Twitter, um, which is J-X-N-M-O-I. All lowercase. You can hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think about Sweet Guitar if you've already seen it, if you already know a little bit about it, or if maybe you've read it. Um, and if you just want to give me any tips or things to, you know, look out for before I jump into that, but like I said, I wanted to start off real small on that one because I didn't know quite sure what uh, Spooky Guitar was all about. Why was it high, you know, in the top, uh, in the top 10 for the Japanese animation rankings for the past week. So, um, but that was, that was pretty much the main interesting thing for that, for the Japanese animations this week. Obviously, Doraemon, low on this, low on the week at number nine. Not sure why. Um, I don't really watch Doraemon. I've seen some episodes of Doraemon. I still see its, its merit, its value in Japanese culture. It's not too big in American audiences though. Um, so that's, so you know, that's, that's fair. Um. And usually One Piece in My Hero Academia are usually in the middle of the pack from week to week. Don't really, Doesn't really do too big nu- big numbers. Um, and obviously Detective Kona, but I'm not going to talk about Detective Conan. I'll mention his name, but, you know, they still killing the game, telling you. But, um, Asazi not obviously at the top of the pack. Um, but let me get into something new. Let me get into a little, into something else. Um, to some more manga and to some more manga talk um it's gonna be a lot of manga today i think might be i think it's gonna be a lot of manga a lot of manga don't quote me on that <laughs> but ron uh rongo miyake is gonna draw a sequel to the pet manga and if you're asking like chris well, what is pet well maybe you need to go back to my winter 2020 anime first impressions <laughs> and check out what i thought about the anime pet um crazy-ass manga. You're probably not going to understand it until a few episodes in. But it's worth the watch. It's worth the read. I'm still going to read. I'm still a little behind. But it's definitely been worth the read and the watch so far. And so when I heard that there's um, going to be a, a sequel to the pet manga, I was interested. Um, but the official Twitter account for the telev- television anime series and the remaster edition... Rondo Miyake's pet manga. Revealed on um, this past Monday. I believe. So, um, so just a few days ago. That. Miyake is drawing a sequel. Titled fish. And the manga will focus on. The future lives of the story's. Pets in particular. Hiroki, Sukase, Satoru. And uh, Satoru. Um, and it will begin in. The Kadokawa's monthly comic. Beam magazine this coming winter um a little bit on pet though the anime adaptation of pet manga premiered i think in this 2020 anime season the 2020 winter season in january 6th uh streamed on amazon prime um and then the last episode actually premiered not too long ago as well just a few days ago um, i might i might talk about that a little bit later as well um but it's a psychic suspense story revolves around people who possess the ability to infiltrate people's minds m- manipulate memories And the powers that are being used in the underworld for covering up incidents, making assassinations, and other nefarious deeds. Um, These powers can not only destroy other people's spirits, but also corrupt the user's own heart at the same time. Uh, The users had to protect their fragile and insecure hearts as if chained to each other. They are called pets out of fear and hatred. Um, The manga was serialized in... uh, Shogakukan's weekly big Common Spirits magazine, and then uh, Enterbrain, and now it's in Kadokawa. Uh, it published a remaster edition in five volumes in two thousand and nine. Um, actually, the anime and the manga inspired a stage play, um, and then the anime was credited as collaborat- collaborating on the project. Um, I think it was called Pet uh, Korewa. What was it called? Pet the Broken Water Tank. And I think that ran in Tokyo and a lot of Tokyo's places in December of 2018, I want to say. And there was a second stage play, I believe, Pet, the place where the rainbow is. I uh, had about nine or ten performances in the Kanda Miyojin Hall in Tokyo last summer. Um, but not a lot of people. Are, I know a lot of people aren't probably don't haven't been watching the pet. Probably haven't been reading pet. I do. I do, I would recommend it, it's obviously, like I said, in the Winter Fist Impressions, when I first watched the first episode, I knew it was a stick, it was definitely, it was entertaining, intriguing, confusing, but all in the right way, Um, so I'm going to be really excited to read Fish, um, especially after I catch up to the, to the pet manga, and close that out, I might be, I probably, I might do a, a review, a small review for the pet, on the show, for the manga at least, in its entirety. Um, so I'm really interested in what, and what Miyake is going to do for, for the fish. Um, maybe because I enjoy the, I enjoy that art a whole lot. I think it just, it matches the tone and the setting, uh, for the psychological drama. Um, but I do have some more manga news, obviously from one of my favorite mangakas of all time, Masumi Kurumada. um, and Kurumada's Otozaka manga ended its latest arc and will be starting a new arc in the early summer. So the manga creator Masumi Kurumada um, ended the Takeshimi hen or the Takashima Stronghold arc of his Otozaka manga on the Shonen Jump Plus app and website uh, with its seventh chapter this past Sunday. And the new chapter announced that the new arc titled uh, Hyojin Shutohen or the Stronghold Death Struggle arc. I uh, will launch in early summer. Um, Kurokawa uh, launched this arc, latest arc, on the website, on the Jump Shonen Jump Plus app, which you guys should get. It. It's actually a really nice app, good place to read manga. Um, not sponsored or anything. This I just really love the Shonen Jump Plus app. <laughs> um, user interface is awesome. Get to read a lot of works um, that you that I've never heard about. Um, a lot of. Uh, uncover a lot of cool gems on that, on that app, but, um, Kermata launched, uh, launched the final arc, uh, I think past February, it was around February 10th, or, I believe, and, and he announced this arc originally, I think last January, January of 2019, um, Otozaka's initial eight-chapter revival began in Shoe Play News, um, the official website of Shoeisha's weekly Playboy magazine, in, uh, 2014, after three decades of a hiatus, um, and then I think the manga moved the Shonen Jump Plus in 2017, um, with the Keikai Otome, Heart arc, um, the next arc, uh, I can't, I don't even, I know the English one, I think it's called Peace and Tranquility arc, I'm not even sure what it is in Japan and Japanese, it might be the Tenkai, he, Tenkai-Hen arc, I'm not sure, I'm not even quite sure, um, and then launched August 2018 and ran for seven chapters, um, and this arc was kind of compiled in the manga's eighth compiled book volume in 2018. But let me talk a little bit about it real quick about the Otozaka. The manga story is kind of set in the town of uh, Kukujuk, uh, Kujukuri and Chiba. Uh, Jinji Kikuwa is the unrivaled alpha male of the town of the Toon Middle School student body, student body. And he has never lost a fight in 13 years. However, he goes down in defeat against Show Takashima, the ringleader in the Western Japan, who has his sights set on the entire country. Jinji undergoes dangerous training in the art of fighting with Kenka Oni, a demon who lives in uh, Oni um, That's and that's just kind of what and that's and the kind of the story kind of goes from there. Um, and obviously, I, I I read I only read it. I guess not. I only read it, but I only still you know jumped into this work is because kuramata wrote one of my favorite shonen series of all time saint Seiya. it's also wrote rainy kakuro um and i, I mean I've, i think most people would know saint Seiya. it was a mag. it's it ran a Jewish just weekly shonen jump from 84 to 80 95 um but the series, you know, remained a lot incomplete for for three volumes for nearly what thirty years or so, inspired anime and things of that nature. But um, I'm definitely want to talk about a little more about uh, Otozaka. But I wanted to let you know that that Kuramanda is putting in the work. Um, I kind of spotlight some of their work and some of their, you know some their lesser known work, especially if you really enjoy the the, the art. I'm always a big fan of the classic Saint Seiya mm-hmm. art, uh, with the bold eyes, the very messy looking hair, the bold dark colors for everything, almost bland looking, but very emotive at the same time. Um, I find it, I find it striking a lot of the times. And um, excuse me as I take a sip of water, very unprofessional of me. Um, but almost bland looking, but like I said, very emotive, um, and does tell and does tell a story within, not just with the words and then the, and some of the action, but with 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 well drawn facial expressions. Um, it does kind of run in this thing where everybody kind of looks the same. Uh, where a lot of some of the characters will make the same expression at the same time. And when they, and when you kind of, it becomes noticeable when more characters are in play at a certain scene and a certain panel or a certain page and things of that nature. Um, One of the few, one of the few criticisms um, that I will bring up about Kurumata and his art. But um, definitely make sure you take a a look at that. Now, I do want to talk about um, I do want to talk about some of the, s- s- just a few anime and their final episodes. Cause I know, cause we're going to be moving into the spring anime starting officially today or when this episode comes out. Cause Tower God will be streaming on Crunchyroll today and I'm going to be checking it out. Um, and it will be a part of my, um, the, um, of the winter 2020 anime first impressions episode coming in the next well, I want to wait until all the episodes come out. First episodes come out, so I'm at, the, at the earliest, so it'll probably be April fifteenth-ish, or or April tenth-ish. So be on the lookout for that. But um, let me know if you guys want to do, if you want me to do like weekly Tower of God reviews, because I think this anime might be pretty big. I, or I might well do, or God of High School. I could do. I'm not quite sure. Let me know. I do want to do more reviews, um, of current, ongoing anime, um, but that's another discussion for another time, (laughs) but, um, since we're kind of moving into the next season of premiering anime, I did want to just talk about some of the final episodes that I thought were, that I thought were of note, and I will start off with, um, If my favorite pop idol made it to the Budokan, I would die. Now, if you remember, I talked about this show and I thought it was one of the most more interesting pop idol shows. For the sole reason that it didn't focus on the pop idols, but the fans of said pop idols. And I've never seen, and I I think I've talked about where I've never seen anything like this before. Um, So much the fact that I watched, I watched it in subbed and dubbed, found them both hilarious one of the one of the more funny shows in this season, um, and I want to talk about the final episode because it did end with the twelfth episode. I'm pretty sure this was going to be the pretty sure this was the uh, final episode, um, but here's his final episode, and I feel like they almost made this one for me. See, I. I've questioned the show's priorities and attitudes to you know for the subject matter over the past season and I've always certainly appreciated everything that its gave me to to discuss and all that but some of the points addressed in the finale particularly lean into some of the questions I repeatedly raised about its ideas that mean this means that what it is thus far the ending of Ushi as an anime, lacking as it does any real closure to a story still delivers a feeling of payoff to everything it did up until now though don't get me wrong i mean that's a fair series that's fair to the series overall and of course since it's regularly found ways to deliver meatier dramatic concepts with its signature silly and fluffy execution yet still more a sense of completion this time of delivering answers to questions, posts, and feelings, like it's moving on to a new stage. One element of that is, that is its literal new stage, of course. As promised, this episode sees Cham Jan performing at an idol festival among dozen, dozens of other acts and throngs of enthusiastic attendees. The the scale of the event and what m- means for our beloved underground group is demonstrated pretty strongly here. And thanks to Ushibuto's always excellent use of backgrounds and its setting and settings and layouts, I've never been an idol f- festival to myself. So let me get that right. I've never been to one of these things before. But that same atmosphere of a huge event like a music festival or even your standard convention comes through here really strongly. Um, and they bring us further by focusing not mainly on Idiopio and the other fans taking it and all in, but on Cham Jam themselves being near overwhelmed by the scale uh, Yuka and Aya um, get it, get to the majority of the wild takes and reactions, which is fine with me. Mean, I, I mean, I enjoy them as much as the rest of them. But everyone's showing it to some degree. The most dramatic aspects come through in Rayo and Mina. And from them, the key functionality of why this episode works so well for me spins out. For Rayo, the meaning in this event, as it it. And it turns out the series as a whole manifests in the appearance of May, her old groupmate. I mentioned, I should have, I was going to mention about May's fueling a rails in 40 complex on, a, on an episode. Because I thought it was a cool thing to bring up and, and just as a topic for, for Weebcast. But, uh, but it turns out, her, out her effect on the girl it's more consciously malicious than that. See, May pops in just to interrupt Cham Jam's pre-show huddle, cruelly neg Ryo and flaunt her own success, seemingly in an effort to undermine her former co-star. It, it's harsh in ways Oshibudo has never been really been for and previously in the series. And it paints such a distinct por- portrait in such a, sh- a short amount of time in pursuit of making me realize you know, I might have been wrong about some of the seriousness in the show all along, simply mistaken it as just a really funny show. That is my my accusation that Oshibuto was flippantly idolizing idols in a way of glorifying the entertainment industry. And Rayo's current bandmates immediately come together to comfort her, and that turned and that, that assumed narrative on its head. Kind of turned that it, it just kind of flipped it a little bit for me. The vicious veneer of show business was always skirting at the edges of Boshibudo and never quite getting to it, but it was doing so in the normal groups like Maze Maple Doll, who have already found massive fame the quote unquote the easy way and broken up scores of other aspirationals and become cruel players of the game along the way. Jam Jam, by the way. In contrast, are the good guys of the outer world, striving to achieve their goals while staying friends and having fun. And that deletes directly into the ongoing analysis of how much Cham Jam really appreciates their local fans, who haven't been carrying the shows quite as much since the idols themselves since they started utilizing that spotlight. Late in the episode, we get little scenes between each of the main fans and their best girl. And while we're already privy to say Sorane's savvy success with hopeless romantics like Matoi, that previous demonstration of their earnestness, you know, their, their honestness, their honesty, lets me regard the whole exchange with a bit less cynicism. At least Rayo, I can buy as a truly grateful to Kumasa because her whole journey as an idol to this point has been about how she learned to believe and rely on others who did the same with her. It, it lets the star-fan dichotomy feel like just a bit more of a two-way street than I gave credit for previously. And thanks for this clarif- clarification at Cham Jam, is an exception. Not to the rule, to the musical marketing machine. But we're not really here for Sarane and Motoi, or Rayo and Kumasa Even before this last episode's revelations... Mina and Repo had effectively danced into a distinct demonstration of the fandom's give and take. From a story perspective, the audience was full aware of Mina's genuine love for the, uh, uh, Eripo. And Eripo, coming tantalizingly close to quantifying that her own appreciation for Mina was romantically reciprocal. That, um, that Twitter thread last week was in culmination of that give it an illusion here as sarane points out that of course they write stuff about you on the blog if it would, you know if you were really their fave but the mutual supporting motivation they not yet romance gets one last clarification into to the ideals of fandom itself with the two bigs with the two's big moment in this episode eripo's cheering helping maya find herself and perform on this new stage It's apart from any romantic tension or or teases. No, it's genuine. It's a genuine demonstration of mutual support and drive between two people whose existence, whose existences, excuse me, (laughs) power each other. As Cham Jam are revealed as an ideal of what idols in the industry could be, and Epo and Mina Po- posit what a fan relationship apart from any merchandise buying or romantic overtures could look like at its peak Eripo tells Maris she'll love her forever towards the end of the episode but in context it's hardly a confession or the most important step of the relationship even in initiating the handshake conversation leading them truly talking with each other for once isn't really a big moment here it's right in the middle there with an outer stage idol's biggest fan there, helping her find her center in a massive moment, Ushibudo stamps out serious meaning with his with his focal relationship in this episode. Apart from its two leads, um, from its two leads' character arcs, and that marks as a major success for, for at least for myself. Even if it lacks total closure for the story, and it was just starting to tell it becomes apparent that I, I, you could probably tell for now, I could probably talk about the show for longer than what you probably would expect. And it kind of surprised me as myself. Um, and speaking of surprises, this episode surprised me by doing me so right. For one, I can't believe I never made a chance to talk about the rock solid dancing animations and choreograph and choreography in the show with its ending sporting a strong performance number itself. And All the humor was still on point, including a terrific post-credits gag of Chan Chan making their way to the wrong Budokan. But the best quantification I can highlight of this finale's success comes after the big constant number, as Rail claims that they definitely took a step forward. A step forward was the only thing I asked for at the end of my, you know, at the end of my journey of um, going through this episode week by week. And all the dynamic reframing and culminating articulation of its themes confirms that this absolutely delivered for me. As a piece of ideas, I'm delighted with the arc Oshibuto took, and Achilles leave it at this point mostly satisfied. Um, that being said, if my favorite pop idol made it to the Budokan, I would die. Made it to a second season, I would die. I really, uh, I enjoyed that show a lot more than I thought I would. I haven't quite looked at what other people thought about it yet. I haven't looked at it too many. Re- I haven't looked at very many people's reviews on this show um, yet. Um, I just see an arbitrary rating on some other places on uh, on my anime list and an anime news network. I believe you've had ratings of ranging in the four point five ish. Um so it does seem like it's getting <laughs> that it's getting um good reviews. Um I'm not sure, you know, collectively what people with a conscious thought on on Oshibudo is on Twitter or Tumblr, or Instagram, and other places or you know, Amino and things of that nature, but um it still continues to be a show that I will recommend. It's only 12 episodes. I think it's a, I think it's a nice jaunt in the idol kind of scene, uh, especially if you're not very big on these types of shows. I still implore you to try this one out just to kind of see where you, where it t- where the story arc kind of takes you, though. Um, but let me not linger too much on this episode because I do have a few more episodes I want to kind of get into. Um, and that is. As much as I talk about Boku no Hero, or My Hero Academia, and as much as I talk about how I don't believe it's worthy of being one of the big three, and how I talk about how it still gets outshined by a lot of other anime, not only in American audiences, but also Japanese audiences, I still think it's at least an enjoyable and decent show. And I did recently catch up with its current season. Um, and I saw its... Um, 87th episode recently, and I do want to kind of talk about a little bit about it, so, now as we're finally here, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs, mainly downs for me in My Hero Academia's fourth season, um, and I've known there was a bridge we have to cross eventually, you know, especially with the anime-only viewers may have only known what I'm talking about here, given the subtle cues in the latest uh, opening, alluding to it, but for better or worse, it's arrived, and it's Time to talk a little certain further. Aizawa. Okay. He is a technically Aries' father, but seeing that he's become her de facto guardian and that she'll be living at UA for the foreseeable future, I'm gonna call him Aries Dad anyway. It's a darn good fit for him too. Eraserhead is the strict but nurturing mentor to Class 1A, so just the idea of him seeing fumble his way through the carrying of a small child is kind of cute. Um and there's even a blink-you'll-miss-it joke in the Star Maker OP where Eri, in the opening where Eri rejects the ugly cute sweater he got for. It's kind of cool. And I would tag, I would and I'm pretty sure y'all would probably love the hell out of like a spin-off series with just Aizawa taking care of Eri or something. You know what I'm saying? But of course, this episode isn't all about that cute dynamic. Um, it's about the titular Hero Billboard Chart. Um, uh, and that means we get to finally address the number two hero of My Hero Academia's Japan, Hawks. Hawks became a big fan favorite soon after his introduction in the manga. Um, and it's easy to see why Why, with his debut here. He's young, confident, in a smooth way, making all his actions seem effortless, with no complicity. Over the course of a casual walk down the street, we see him have saved pets from being run over, help the elderly, stop an attempted villain attack in the same breath. Yet, to a casual observer, it would seem like he didn't even break a sweat. I mean, and that's what makes Hawk such an intriguing character. There's something to his overall attitude and um, uh, Nakamura's um, vocal performance that always has you second-guessing just how much he's paying attention. It's actually really, it's actually pretty good. Um, you know, is he really laid back as it seems, or is he just, just doing that? that what, Or is he just wants everyone to think that of him? Only time will tell, but it makes for an immediately intriguing new character, even this late into the season. And I already know, and I already kind of want to know more about him and how the anime is going to take him. Though for as gauging for as a new number, th- or new number one, number two heroes, we do have some other important fish to fry. With All Might's retirement, there's been a huge shakeup in the cultural landscape. And as weird as it seems to have a billboard hot 100 for superheroes, it's nonetheless important to see who's at top. And the new status quo is sure to be controversial. I mean, Ryuku dropping out to 10th place. I mean, I know it's because Kamui Woods made his debut, but it seems like a kind of a raw deal. The number nine is li- literally in her name. Now that pun. Doesn't really make sense anymore. I mean, Ryu Q, number nine. I mean, you've really bungled that one, Horikoshi. But besides, ranking her below a guy dressed as a washing machine, whatever. Sure, keeping your lights and dark separated is important, but does that really count as a superhero power? At least Mirako is in the top five, but it's pretty bogus that Best Genus stays in the top three despite being inactive since the AFO fight. They could talk about his public approval numbers all they want, personally, but I think the Hero Association just wanted to keep him there because, you know, I guess he's marketable. Alright, but alright, enough starting, and I'm going to want to get right into Endeavor. From the moment we learned his name, Todoroki's, or Todoroki's father has functioned as an embodiment of the darker side of kind of the My Hero Academia's hero society. Sure, most pro heroes seem like a pretty stand-up individuals. And even more self serving with their still hold grudge in a pinch, like Mount Lady helping the students escape in season three. But so, as long as superheroes carries the badge of celebrity, there will always be some people who go into the profession with their only with their self gratifications intact in mind. While Endeavor doesn't seem like the type to want to print pr- product endorsements or merchandise with his face on it, like Bakugo, he wants he was obsessed with proving his own superiority no matter the cause. But unlike Bakugo, he didn't get a three season long character arc to humble himself and encourage him to better himself. Instead, Endeavor committed some light eugenics and then abused his wife and son to leave both with literal and metaphorical scars that have taken years to begin healing. So it's intensely uncomfortable whenever he's on screen sometimes with other characters, to praise and unprop the them him as he officially becomes the number one Japan, Japan's pro-hero. Which, trust me, which isn't a criticism on the writing, it's just very few characters know about Endeavor's history as an abuser, and considering how many real-world people of power status were out of monsters in their personal lives, there's certainly fertile ground to explore for later in the future. My Hero Academia has broached thorny topics before, and Rockwego's story has shown her horror capable of making it believable redemption arcs for people without disrespecting those they hurt to facilitate. Uh, but at the same time, anime in general and has a long, tiresome history of granting abusive cl- parents clemency through a simple act of selflessness. You know, so it's not hard to feel wary at the prospect of trying to redeem and whatever, but the point is, I suppose, is that I don't think a story where Endeavor does some honest-to-God soul-searching and comes out that less of a bastard is an inherently bad idea. But I can't deny in an uneasiness at seeing Hawks metaphorically place the crown of superhuman society on his fiery forehead. I mean, there's potential here to craft a complicated and emotional complex story study, character study that's rarely seen and shown in storytelling. But there's equal room for a clumsy and misguided try at, you know, turning a monstrous character good by simply showing he's capable of not being a jerk all the time that all leaves me rather ambivalent about this episode even as a cool new villain comes crashing into the picture when it's close in its closing minutes remember academia is absolutely playing with some with some fire here um but we'll have to wait until next week's season finale to kind of see know if we're about to get burned um episode was okay with me if I did give it a rating, probably be about 3.1 stars out of 5, three, yeah, probably be about a 3 out of 5, might be a little bit lower than that, to be honest, um, not a great penultimate episode, um, surely, not a really good penultimate episode, but, hey, I was gonna say, I think the, at least maybe the season finale will, um, um, kind of change that for me, we'll see, we'll see if anything changes on that, um, but before I get into some reviews, because I, I I do have some other reviews, I do want to break it up with um with some other, with other some uh some some other anime and manga news uh, right after this. But let's take a quick break. Make sure you guys get some water, get some food. Hope you guys are staying safe, taking care of yourselves while you guys are at home. Um, I'm gonna be back with some with some more reviews. Um, something with a new manga that I started. Didn't think I would like it. I because it's a, it's I don't know it's interesting it's interesting it does have and you know I love mythology because I've Se- obviously I love Saint Seiya I you know I, I love that kind of shit so I was like let me check this let me check this manga out I'll read the volume first volume I'm gonna see what it's all about and guess what maybe you know what it's actually not it's actually pretty damn good but we'll all get to that on the on the other on the other side of this episode of WeebCast. I'll see y'all in a little bit. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back uh, to the episode. Hope you guys enjoying it so far. I'm breaking up with some news and reviews. I think I'm I'm trying to, I'm going to probably keep in that. I'm probably going to keep that flow. For these sort of episodes, doing a mix of some of the uh, week's current or the week's uh, past week's current topics, and then kind of interspicing them with some reviews of uh, of episodes and uh, manga that I've read in that last week as well, and kind of just kind of put them all here and you know, do my best to seamlessly kind of piece them together. Um, and we're gonna con- we're gonna continue with that, with some with some um, interesting news um, about an anime that I I don't think I've I've mentioned maybe twice, and once in a, early, a very very early episode, and the second time being you know earlier in this episode, and that was uh, Sazae-san um, has won an award and it's the I want to make sure I get this get the award name right I'm pretty sure I have it written down here in a minute um it's the Hash it's the Hashida prize um and I'm pretty sure this is the I think it was the was it the 28th I think this is the uh, the 28th anniversary I think it's the 28th award or the 28th year, this award is kind of being, um, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's been giving out. Um, <laughs> it's the, and it's, I think it's given out by the uh, Hashida Cultural Foundation, and it's, um, which established the annual Hashida Prize, uh, was created by uh, Sugako Hashida. And the foundation honors programs that have uh, greatly influenced Japanese broadcast culture by giving them. Well, you know the Hashida Prize, um, and for and for the first time, and Hashida's awards twenty-eight year long history. For as long as this award has been given out, to given out to shows that have, and I quote, greatly influenced Japanese broadcast culture. And anime has fun, has won it has has been the first anime to win this prize, and that is Asan. Um, created by uh, Machiko Hasegawa, was awarded the 20th annual Hashida Prize for serving as the national program of Japan. Um, Suzu Hirose, who stars, starred in the series, also won a Rookie of the Year award for a role in the show. And, um, w- and which I did not know this. I did not know this before. But sazae san is actually the longest running anime in the world. Um, it features the daily life of Saze, a titillating character in Japan, and it started in uh, 1969 or 1970, um, and has over 7,000 episodes as of, uh, as of what I've currently looked at, at least I've currently checked, has currently over 7,000 episodes. Um, and the news was announced by, uh, 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 Manichi Shimbun's Matan web news website, I can give you a link for that website as well if you'd like, guys. And then really, and, um, but also, I mean, Saze-san will also have a new opening sequence starting in April, starting this month, I believe, uh, which will be set in Tokyo for the first time in a decade. Uh, the anime's opening sees sazae san the protagonist, traveling from place to place in Japan, um, and the new opening will be the second time Tokyo has been the setting for the opening thing. Um, this was the first, the first time was from April of 2010 um, from to March 2011. And the upcoming thing will show Sazae-san uh, traveling in locations such as the Tokyo Station, uh, Mount Takao, Rainbow Bridge, uh, Sensoji, and Toyosu Market. Um, a little bit about Sazae-san. It is the longest run anime in the world. And it's based on, uh, based on a Japanese Yonkoma manga series written and illustrated by Machiko Hasegawa. And it was first published in the Hasegawa local paper, um, the Fukunichi Shimbun on April 22nd, uh, 1946. And, uh, when, uh, Asahi Shimbun wished to have Hasegawa draw the four panel comic for their paper, she moved to Tokyo in 1949, um. With the explanation that the main characters had moved from Kyushu to Tokyo as well, and the manga dealt with contemporary situations in Tokyo's daily life until Hasegawa retired and ended the series in 1974. Um, but why did I? But why did I bring this up? Um, I bring this up is because not only not only because it's you know it's the highest ranked anime series in Japan almost every each week and i mean i mean each week for as long as i've been paying attention to these rankings um obviously you know, i've been paying attention to these rankings for for um, for um, for a few months now on the show but i guess i've been paying attention to these rankings for about maybe two and a half years so not very long but there's, I don't think I've ever seen it being topped in its rankings. No anime, animes have been common by, but sase sounds always ranked has always been on the top of that mountain. Um, I mean, in two thousand thirteen, the show won, I think, awarded the Guinness World Record for the longest anime TV season, television season, and an award it extended just last year. It's breaking its own records um but why do i think why why is this why is this important it's important because not only is this an animated series it's an anime that won a prestigious award as this um i had to look into the Hashida awards and its past 27 winners um and all of them have been movies television shows um very and ones i've never seen before and ones that I've kind of just scratched the surface at and researching a little bit, and they were all touted as something that were critical in Tokyo and or critical in Japanese, in the average Japanese person's mindset. They could all be kind of, they were easily understood, dealt with, dealt with simple to complex situations that that the Japanese audiences could easily relate to easily relate to, um, and that for an anime to do this, and the first anime to do this is not only big, but opens the door for other type, other, you know, critically claimed, you know, critically acclaimed anime to maybe be looked out more, you know, um, and that's pretty where I'm going with, um. And I, and I do bring this up, not to bring up the, you know, I, not to bring up the same old agenda, if I can even call it that. Um, but this just further proves to you that we as a, an American audience, we, ha- we tout our shows, the shows that we like that come out of Japan as being, just because, you know, if America likes it, then obviously Japanese audiences love it as well. If it's popular here, it should be popular over there as well. And it's not really the case. Um, I mean, for some of the some of the bigger ones, perhaps. Um, but I've even talked about it on Bleach about Bleach, uh, uh, many of times, and I'll still stick with this theory that I Jap- that American audiences love Bleach more than Japanese audiences did. Don't get me wrong; Japanese audiences loved Bleach. They love it, and they love it. They love. They are excited that the anime is going to be coming back next year, but. But, 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 but we, there's a difference in the, fev- in the fever that American audiences were missing from, from Bleach. Um, there were campaigns in America, things, people were moving, um, were setting up, uh, you know, signatures and campaigns to get started just to have the Bleach anime return for years, I remember in 2014, they were trying to get it back, 2015, 2016 was a big year where everyone thought it was coming back, with the Bleach again, or the Bleach thing, whatever, um, but it was just, I think they were just announcing the live action thing, or some shit like that, the live action movie on Netflix, which isn't actually all that bad, to be honest, but, but, um, I think it's always good to, it's always good to remind myself, and also I want to help you guys, remind you guys that, The Japanese audiences and the American audiences have, um, have very different tastes. Um, and they can see things with a, I'm not going to say such a better eye with some of the quality of some of the anime and manga that come out of, from their, from their home. But they, I do believe they can critically talk about it in, and not only in length and quality better than a lot of us, um. so when I see, you know, people, you know, give some of their favorite pieces of work out of Japan, manga or anime or whatever, and saying that it's, it's goaded or this, man, this is go. I'm like, well, is your anime consistently in the top three of us on TV ranking, TV ratings? Like Detective Conan or Sase, uh, you know, Sase-san? Is it, is it selling Manga volumes, even when out of circle, like even when the, when the work isn't even when the series license has ended. <laughs> I mean, we put on, we put a lot of different shows on a, on a pedestal that I don't really even deserve it yet. <laughs> and some of these shows I like a lot. I, I like one piece. I think one piece is good. And like what I say in, in sports a lot of the time, there's a lot of good, very few great. There's a lot of good players in the NBA, but there are very few great ones. <laughs> you know, I think Demi, like Damian Litter, I'm, I might be going off a tangent, but Damian Litter, he's a good player. I don't think he's great. Kawhi Leonard, he's great. Kevin Durant, he's great. LeBron James, he's great. He's great. Russell Westbrook he's good James Harden he's good (laughs) One Piece is good Detective Conan is great Saze-san is great Demon Slayer is good My Hero Academia is is good (laughs) Beastars is great Fire Force is good Astra lost in space. That's great. (laughs) You know, so. And that's the only reason why I bring this up. Um, I've really found it interesting that. As the hub, as the the home place where we we love this medium as Japanese animation and manga. That they deemed worthy. That this anime, Saze-san, a reward. Um that's highly touted only really given to work to highly acclaimed works and for the first anime to do that I think it is actually is impressive um, it's 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 interesting on what you know in later years if we're ever gonna see a, see this again you know like it's maybe one day down the line One Piece might get it or Naruto <laughs> Detective Conan Doraemon Um, you know, we'll see, uh, we, we shall certainly, we shall certainly see though. but let me get into, um, I wonder if I, if I want to get into another review or I want to talk about a little bit more manga, you know, let's do it. Let's talk about a little bit more manga real fast. And maybe put you on, put you guys on to some new stuff. You know, that's what I like to do here. This is what cedo like to do. We like to give you some new stuff to read, some new stuff to watch. And I hope you guys do the same for me. You always get hit me up on Twitter or leave a voice message on Anchor. Um, if you ever want me to review something uh, or watch and read, definitely go check it out. Make sure you guys can definitely do that. And also, if you want on Anchor, make sure, you know, maybe consider donating. Um, to the show, maybe see it, to see more and enhanced episodes of WeebCast, all that more Weeb content. Um, but into some manga news, uh, Takahashi Shimura's Sayonara, um, Oto no Konoko, or Oto Konoko, uh, manga ends in its third volume. Um, it's a manga about a man who suddenly wakes up in the body of a child, and it launched back in 2016, I didn't really pick it up until 2017, 2018-ish, um, so I wasn't really on the ground floor of this, but I did find it a few years ago. And may keeping an up with it pretty regularly. Um But Shimura posted on Twitter on this past Friday, I believe, that her farewell boy manga will end in its third volume. Um and then Shimura launched the manga in I think Libre Publishing. Libre pu- Libre, I think it's called Libre Publishing. Uh, BX Boy or B Boy magazine in 20s, May in the summer of 2016, and it's been publishing the second volume in November of 2018. But the manga the manga centers on a 25 year old uh, theater actor, Kana Ashishima, and his lover, 30 year old bus driver Yuki Kawata. And the two have enjoyed living together, happy in love, and then one day Kana wa- awakens to find himself the body of a child. And kind of doesn't know why his body has reverted to a child or how to return to his adult body. Um, and the happy couple now finds themselves in a fearful situation until the moment the two lovers satisfy one another. Two use hearts contempt. but now they really can't do that anymore. Um, but Shimura is really, I guess, best known for the Wandering Son, for her Wandering Son work, um, and Sweet Blue Flowers manga, uh, which I think were both were adapted in 2011, 2009, I can't remember which one, by the way, I haven't seen them, though, I've only read a little bit of Wandering Sun, um, but also, she also did, I, th- she did the uh, drawings for the Alanoa Zero anime, and Battery the Animation, um, I'm pretty sure, and she drew a short-run manga for the, for, for the Battery and the Animation, Um, but the Fantagraphis Books is releasing her Wandering Sun manga in North America and Viz Media, um, and Viz Media will be releasing Sweet Blue Flowers. Um, this is one of like the weirdest kind of things I read because I'm really not into these sort of romantic, um, type, um, books. Uh, I, I think it was mainly the art. I, I'm not, I, I do like, um some of the, the use of the white in the people's hairs, people hair, um, the eye, how the eyes are emotive and I've drawn, um, very at the, um, the anatomy of the characters look super realistic, super accurate. Um, even if I wasn't too big on the story, um, I thought the characters seemed real believable, even with this kind of fantasized event kind of happening in this couple. Um, I'm kind of on the fence Whether I would recommend it to anybody I mean if you're kind of into that kind of thing I'm not I'm not So maybe that's why I can't really I'm not writing the best authority to say Maybe you should read it Um But it does have some nice It does have It does have its moments Um I just wanted to bring up Because I do know Because it's It's only I mean like I said It's ending in In its third volume So it's really short Um But um I was gonna say it's gonna end on. I think it's gonna end on a pretty bittersweet kind of note. Um, and these tens and these tens of stories are better suited to end on a timeline as as this. And and knowing Shimoda, Shimura, Shimura she's probably gonna be working on something in the next three years anyway. Whether it's gonna be her new own personal work or helping um, draw character designs or help writing or drawing for another series as she kind of takes her, as she takes a break or before she starts up something new again. So we'll definitely see her again. Um, let's get into some reviews. Um, because I do want to talk about just just a couple of anime that I highly touted in this, in this, um, in the spring 2020, I mean the winter 2020, um, slights of premiering anime, um, let me start with the, um, let me start with Inspector, which was my favorite, up there with, you know, up there with, um, Darwin's Game, and but just but, but just keep it on the anime. Inspector was definitely one of the ones that I highly rated for, for you guys to watch um, and definitely check out for this season. Oh. And it's 12th episode. Uh recently came out. And uh I did want to talk about it a little bit. As all stories, you know, come to an end and 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 this tale of the Steel Lady is the Steel Lady is no exception, you know. Cotico already delivered her coup de grace to uh, Rika's teen idol Tulupa last week, and so this finale mostly deals with the tying bow on this plot and character thread, while leaving a plenty of room for further adventures in the gray space between fact and fiction. Um, it's a low-key and confident, and confidently executed conclusion, but audience members looking for some particularly meaty hook or justification for this arc's links won't find very much in that regard. However, if you're still watching Inspector, I would hope you were at least somewhat on board with the show's censor at this point. And since I clearly, you know, as you know, I am, I find this to be a really good note to end on. With the main plot out of the way, Inspector devotes most of its finale time and space towards letting its characters take a metaphorical sigh of relief. The battle against Rika and the Steel Lady took its toll on everybody in very unique ways, but it had arguably the profoundest effect on Saki. Unlike uh, Kotoko and Kuro, Saki never inundated in the world of the supernatural, and she only found herself uncomfortably grazing its surface thanks to her strained relationship with Kuro. She also suffered the most major loss in this art with her inquisitive colleague, uh, Terada, getting his face caved in by uh, Nanase. Nevertheless, she pulled herself together and proved to be both a useful ally and affordable character, able to hold her own against both her immortal ex and his bizarre new girlfriend. Inspector remains quick to pounce on Saki's past, uh, uh, past relationship curl, with Kuro as a um, humorously exaggerated source of anxiety for uh, Kotoko. And I appreciate that Saki's actual interactions with Kuro remain refreshingly adult, mature, and heartfelt. Saki had previously retained a fair amount of trauma from the end of their relationship, a a consequence of her inability to deal with his uh, inhumanity and the frightened yokai who came with it. But this finale sees her finally able to start moving on from that. She and Kuro accept their mutual incompatibility with a renewed sense of mutual understanding. Ironically, they're probably closer in this instance than they ever were when they were engaged. With Kuro no longer having to hide a huge part of himself and Saki able to properly sort through her feelings... While they may not be able to see each other again, I, I'm sure they both stick their necks out for each other in their time of need and, and help in the future. I certainly do love me some melodrama, but it's also nice to see two exes with emotional intelligence and calmly resolve to be friends. After Saki gains a new friend and a new bike, Kotoko wakes up from her day-long beauty nap and the remainder of the episode flushes out her relationship with Kuro which proves to be much more heartwarming than the prior souvenir-laden interactions would have implied. Curl's way of broaching the subject, with a folk tale is charmingly obtuse, if appropriate for a story about storytelling, but his words and actions here reveal that he truly does care for his, you know, his tiny, horny gremlin here. Cortico, meanwhile, rides the high of her victory back into rare form, Eagerly cracking dirty jokes and pouncing on her boyfriend while wearing nothing but a bath towel. I think, however, it's a wasted opportunity that she and Saki didn't get one more scene together. Saki muses to herself about Kotoko's formidable cleverness, but Kotoko just goes on a jealous mini tirade. And these were two—these two were wonderfully distinct female characters—and having them verbally spar one last time, perhaps with a newfound sense of mutual respect, would have would have sat a lot better with me. Than mining Kotoko's insecurity for cheap laughs again. Um, Inspector's presentation has been commendably consistent and competent, with fair to with fair enough to with enough flair to sustain such a dialogue-heavy story. Uh, in the end, however, I, I can't help but imagine what more visually adventurous adaptation might have looked like. Something with fear with the fearlessness and the irreverence of the uh, Togatti series, for instance, might have gone a long way in helping inspector carve out a stronger identity self or perhaps the colorful pop art approach of Gachamon crowds could have pulled inspector's 21st century take on timeless philosophical issues into sharper relief i certainly enjoy the show as is and i think its writing alone is strong and clever enough to stand out on its own but the strength of that writing means it could have definitely supported a more adventurous adaptation the soundtrack is still super fantastic Absolutely no changes needed to, to, to the soundtrack. And truth be told, this finale in particular had some really wonderful moments of strong character acting. Quote little seated crusty with the curtsy, seated curtsy with the laptop on her lap is extremely both cute and amazingly insufferable. It all contains the energy and arrogance of someone posting check and mate at the end of thousand pose long thread and it suits her character perfectly and on a more tender note i love and admire the storyboarding decision to hold a close-up on cortico and curl's hands as they slowly and gently intertwine even though they continue to talk as the scene plays out the subtleties in this physical interaction speak the loudest their relationship is, is a unique and fraught one born both on supernatural and convenience and plain old insecurity But at the root, they have a genuine connection that they both want to mature, nurture. It's it's really difficult, you know, at this particular moment in human history to imagine any story originating on or or perpetrating within the interest of having a happy ending. But Inspector manages to make it work nevertheless perhaps the cognitive incongruity in it is itself a manifestation of the space between fact and fiction that Koteko stakes as her battleground of choice and i hope we we get further opportunities to follow her down that path the episode certainly spends enough time broaching Rika's motivation and determination to continue experimenting with the public subconscious and i know there's plenty of material left in the series to adapt so Ideally, this won't be the last we see of Kotaku and Girl. Even if there is no sequel season, these twelve episodes of Inspector stand as a character-rich, offbeat, and thought-provoking mystery series concerned with human psychology in the age of the internet. Alternatively, it's about a show of a tiny, smug little girl who saves the day by lying online, and I love it. Um, Inspector will be probably my favorite show of this season. And I will not apologize for that at all. Um, Darwin Game is definitely up there. And it's definitely close. Um, And I did catch up with the manga. So, like I said before. There's a lot of things they could adapt with this show. Um, I don't know if Inspector was... I did... Very few times during this anime season. I I checked kind of the Reddit rankings. And... Kind of some of the episode discussions on various sites and and platforms to see what people were kind of gravitate if they were gravitating to the series. Um, I mean, they did gravitate to you know Kotoko very much, um, you know being you know best girl and all that stuff. Um, I don't know if it's enough to get a second season, and that kind of that kind of pains me, and a little bit that. Uh, <laughs> That I might not be able to see more of this this of this manga being, uh, ad, ad, you know, adaptate, you know, getting an anime and adaptation. Um, but these twelve episodes were a strong twelve episodes. This was a strong, strong, strong season. Uh, liked it a lot better than a lot of more, a lot of the uh, ongoing and current uh, shows in this season and going into the next. Um, like I said. I, I would even if you even if you don't want to read the manga uh, which is just as dialogue heavy as the as the anime was um, I would still recommend it I recommend you checking out these 12 episodes I think you can find something inherent find a lot of merit in these in this work um, the character development what I've seen in these 12 episodes was better than in a lot of these uh, long ongoing shows currently out right now um, but um Let us move on to another one that I thought was um, another show I really liked. Um, And that was the Somali and the Forest Spirit. Um, Another manga that I read and I watched the anime simultaneously. And this 12th episode came out not too long ago as well. I do kind of want to talk a little bit about it because it was definitely another one of my favorites for the season. Oh, I thought some of the, the events, and I thought some of the themes and the anime came out to be, to be honest, I, and I'm, <sighs> Hmm. so it's hard to say. I think I might've enjoyed the, the this adaptation a little bit more than the manga. Just a little bit more. There was and there were some changes in these in these two port in these two works. Um, some of them noticeable, some of them not so much, but sometimes the hardest thing to realize is what everyone else knows. In the case of Golem, it's that contrary to what he's always believed, he does have a heart and it's and it's attendant and it's and it's all it's attendant emotions, you know. It and that it means far from just being Somali's guardian, he really is. Somali's dad. Of course, the impossible Golem can't realize that without causing both us and Somali undue angst. (laughs) But that's fine. That's a sign of a well-done episode. It yanks and tugs at your emotions before bringing things into a conclusion that really, really works. And wow, this was a rollercoaster episode. Picking up right after Golem's terrifying transformation to a monstrous being again, pretty well in line with the Golem myths things that almost things almost get truly traumatic for Somali when Golem commences a rampage in the name of keeping her safe, trailing ropes of muscle, his eye blazing an evil shade of red, hard ceramic spikes protruding from one of his remaining arm Golem goes after the people who would eat his daughter with a vengeance. He even hurts uh, Yabashir when he gets in the way. Seemingly unaware of who the Oni is. And only that he's stopping the golem from protecting his child. It isn't until Somali herself steps in front of Rose. That golem comes back to himself. And what a tense moment that was. It is the first of several moments where we want desperately to believe the golem is going to make the right decision. For Somali's continued... Well-being, but aren't entirely sure that he really will. In this case, it's more of a question of whether he's going to be able to, because his rage at those who tricked him is so strong that he might not even fully be causing it of what he's doing. But and as we saw him flung avenger across the cavern, you know, Somali herself doesn't seem entirely sure either. We we kind of see her trembling a little, and but he's her father and she wants above all else to trust him so when his fingers are wrangling menacingly above her head she chooses to say that he's just gonna pat her rather than stab her through the skull and to get the object of his ire she's thankfully right and but until she actually says the words aloud to the onegoling himself might not have really known to say that this is a pivotal moment for him is probably stating the obvious but he did stop himself but he promptly collapses after and when he wakes up he has to deal with the fact that not only is he down in arm and most of his ceramic skin but he's also come very very close to hurting the one person he never wants to hurt this doubtless care doubtless factors into his decision to leave Somali and the only care and just vanish into the forest once solidified when he sees Yabashir acting in a very fatherly way towards the girl. And is not quite getting in it way. Golan believes that if he leaves now, after he's given Somali a fun day at the festival, she'll just accept it. After all, having, never having had emotions before, how could he expect to understand someone else's? The poor man barely understands his own, or that he has them. If you were feeling the prickle of tears when Somalia looks away from the stage and sees that the golem has gone, I I guess that I guess you were the were when she chased after him or he tried to drive her away, thinking it was best, or maybe I'm just kind of a watering pot kind of a person with some of these shows. These final seven minutes are where Somalia and the Force Spirit puts all of its hard-earned work establishing golem and Somali's relationship to good use. From Somali's strength and determination to Golem's obvious pain, as he thinks he has to leave his daughter for his own for her own good, and refusal to even try to find a different solution, everything comes together in a beautifully put together minutes when she finally gets through to him, and he fi- and he ge- and he gets through to himself. The symbolism of the flowers used as the local festival to help call the souls of the dead back visit helps to illustrate that Somali has an, an effect, granted Golem his soul, it, or at least the right to believe he has one. And in that, bringing back to stay with her as her father, he's, more, he's become more truly himself. In the end, this isn't a daddy-daughter road trip or a story about Somali and her three dads, as it appears to be at the end. It's about overcoming differences forming a family, and finding a place to belong. Even if that isn't a physical place, but the company of somebody else's. The story's world is a place that can be dark and scary sometimes. And the prejudices that exist aren't going away anytime soon. But Golem and Somali will be okay now because they are a family. And that what makes a truly... Hopeful and happy ending. Um, you can find Soul Man, uh and the Force where on Roll. That's where I watched it. Um, if I had to give this one a rating, it would as a show in, just in general, and in, in the end for this episode, it'd be it'd be a high four for this episode alone. It'd be a five. I thought this was a perfect episode, to be honest. Uh, but for the series as a general, in general, I would give it a it's a strong four. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a a strong four, um, overall, um, there's just so many things I liked about this show, um, it was, I thought in some cases it was superior to the manga and its themes and and its, and its, and its, um, visual clues. You really did, with the music, you were able to feel the relationship building between Somali and the Golem over these 12 episodes, um. It was, it was actually, it was pretty, it was pretty masterful. There was a lot of good things in the show. Um, and I hope in the next season, there's a lot of things that people take note in the, in this show, in this, from this show and apply it to their pieces of work. Cause, um, I'm not sure where I'm going to get, I'm not sure if we're going to get another show like Somali and the Forest Bear for a while. I'm not quite sure we will. Um, and as sad as that may be, it's, it's, it's the harsh reality, <laughs> um now before I had now last week I did a manga review on samurai 8 and the first volume I do have another really 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 cool uh manga to review but I just want to get into some um some real quick um real quick news I just got two things to talk about before I get into that manga volume to the manga i want to be talking about something that teased in the first half of the show <laughs> and i really want to get into it um but let me get into um some *Severely deadly sins stuff now as you know me i'm not big on *Severely deadly sins i did thought it was fun i thought the art was cool because i love the works i loved bong uh, concho bongo a lot the author's previous work i thought that was a superior to this but nevertheless, I read it because I I liked the art and um, I thought I wanted to see another heartwarming story on family and with some nice with badass battles and it did provide a little bit of that, a little bit of both, more so the battles, but as you all know that the manga has ended officially, um, uh, ending that I, uh, it deserves its own episode, but I'm not sure if it could be talked about in all in one episode, but I don't know if I would really want to. <laughs> I know people talked a lot about uh, the Bleach ending um, when the manga, when the manga ended. But um, that, that Seven Deadly Sins ending was, I literally I don't know what the fuck they were trying to do here. Sorry, but I don't know what the hell they were trying to do. But, um, let's go into news because the Seven Deadly Sins manga, it's getting a sequel <laughs> And so, Kodansha's and it, this, yeah, it's getting a sequel, y'all. The Four Knights of the Apocalypse will center on the horseman, Tristan. Um, so Kodansha US Publishing confirmed uh, yesterday or a few days ago that uh, Suzuki's um, Selva Sins manga is getting a sequel, tentatively titled called Um, uh, Moshi Kido Yon Yonkishi or something like that. Maybe I might say that said that wrong, but I know it's the Four Knights of the Apocalypse. And this year's seventeenth issue of Kodansha's Weekly Shonen Magazine revealed the sequel on uh, re- revealed the sequel recently, um, and Kodansha released an announcement image for the sequel, as well as illustration with the final chapter of the of the original manga. Um, the story was going to center on Tristan, um, one of the four horsemen, and Suzuki stated in February. That side stories based on the remaining characters will come out someday. However, he added that this will be after he begins serializing a new work, confirming that he's working on a new series, which is which is really nice. Um This man is uh he's a, he's what is he a workhorse? <laughs> Nakab- uh, you okay, man? You really uh you really want to get right back in that game, do you huh? Uh, I'ma read it though. I, I love I love Congo Boncho, um, a lot. Um, Seven Lady Sins I yeah, not so much liked, but it was huge. It spawned a really nice anime. Okay, well, not so not 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 so much the greatest. It wasn't really animated all that greatly, but it people loved it. You know, what I'm saying it was it was pretty big. Um. i i I'm that question sure what I think about what i I'm a little lost for words as for what this sequel is gonna be about and what his new work is gonna be kind of focusing on um I did look at the images um it does seem like it's gonna be in the same vein of drawing it does seem a little bit different though just from the sketches I've seen and some of the sketches I have in front of me um but yeah, the four nights of the apocalypse um I like, the, I kind of like the title, I do like the title, and, um, I hope this manga gets, I hope it, once it serializes, I hope it gets published by Viz, or some, or somebody, and gets an official translation, so we can all read it officially, and stuff like that, and support, uh, Suzuki, because, um, I'm gonna, be, definitely gonna be looking into this, um, because it's, it's, it's crazy, uh, what what is it gonna be, really be about, you know, because um, it's it's considered a sequel manga. So therefore it will be. Have carry elements from the previous series. Into here. Um, but it's not. It, it's not. It doesn't explicitly. I haven't read anything where explicitly that it's going to be. What elements are going to be carrying over. Um, other than that some of the side characters in Seven Early Sins will have. Some of their arcs may be continued or finished in this new story. Um, I mean, I don't think we know any of the, I don't think we know any of the other four Knights of the Apocalypse. Why are they called the four Knights of the Apocalypse? Um, are they all, I guess they're all going to have their, 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 um, title of maybe of some, you know, the aspect of the pot, like, you know, what are the, um, uh, what is, what's the what's the plagues or what, the apocalypse? You know what is that? Is there like a connotations for those things like war, death, war, death, disease or something like that? Is that each warrior for those were gonna have some, maybe something to deal with that? I don't know. I just wanted to bring this up because um, I'm not sure if you guys heard it. Um, I know because people a lot have been fatigued by this kind of the weak and weirdly conf- weird ending of Seven Lily Sins that people might overlook that his sequel series. Um, but I think Suzuki's earned, at least in myself, a chance to redeem himself, <laughs> and I'm um, definitely going to check this one out. Um, now let me get into, um, into some, uh, manga reviews. Cause I definitely want to get into, um, I have two mom reviews for you guys today. Um, and I like to end, I think I might, and I'm probably will end the episodes on these reviews cause I do have, um, cause I think it'd be a nice and chill way to hear about something maybe you guys haven't read or maybe you have read and you're interested in see what another person might think about them. Um, the first one is my room is a dungeon rest stop um uh, and the other one that I kind of uh, that I was teasing earlier is Aim, or Im or great priest Imhotep. hotel uh, but I'm gonna get to that one I'm gonna get to that one uh last actually and I want to get right into the my room as a dungeon Rest volume one I read the vo- first volume uh and let me just get let's start off with a quick synopsis. Uh, Todoru Suzuki is a 21 year old college dropout who is getting by on part time jobs, so he can't afford to pass up on an apartment for only 30,000 yen a month. Just Dis- you know, 30 month, even though some, something, something feels kind of fishy about it. Shortly after moving in, he finds out why the front door creases leading out to the hall and, and instead of opens into a vast stone lined chamber that he suspects is a part of a fantasy game type dungeon. He could still access Tokyo by going out the window, but he's faced with an even bigger problem. The the encapsulated human girl dressed as a knight whom he discovers in the dungeon chamber and takes back to his apartment for safety. 18-year-old Ria initially mistook him for a goblin, but now mistakes him for a great wizard who has sequestered himself into the depths of the dungeon she was exploring. Primarily due to items in his apartment, which seemed like magic to her, she had gotten separated from her party and poisoned. So Toru is, sympathetically, is sympathetic, but now he has to deal with a very sexy girl in his apartment for the first time. And it seems like he can only pull up a screen of a game like stats when he enters the dungeon room as well. Um, the, this manga version of My Room is a Dungeon Rest Stop is a uh, adaptation of a web novel of the same name. Um, I can't find no indication that whether it has been ever published in print. However, the web novel does not seem to be legally available English at the time. Based on its rather short first volume, it's a series that won't dazzle anyone or rewrite any standards for light novel storytelling. But it has a simple and likable enough setup that I see it being a successful one. Though the concept and mechanics involved share many traits with the usual isekai series... This one more resembles something like restaurant to another world in execution. Toru's front door has become the world hopping portal and travel both ways is somewhat possible. That somewhat is where the story's most interesting and early twist comes up. Though Ria can be brought into Toru's room, it is still a dungeon room for her. The window which looks out Tokyo for Toru instead Out looks like a dungeon wall for her and Toru existing through the window looks like him walking through said wall she can't exit that way herself apparently so it's not an illusion hopefully some world building on this will be added eventually as this is not a common setup element that Japanese is the language of moss monsters in Ryo's world and it's also a very interesting detail, which also presumably has some meaning. Readers will find out a little bit later. Um, another interesting twist is that the food and drink from Toru's world can have restorative effects, much like potions when used in dungeon chamber or on people from the dungeon world. Proper meals seem to restore health and magic. I couldn't help but think about kind of the arc that Arcadian gauntlet. Uh, though the writer probably drawing inspiration from more of a recent game most likely but while cola functions as a poison antidote and more snack like items provide temporary boosts to various stats both this and the other twists smack of some storytelling convenience as does the predictable reliance on game like stats once once one crosses into the dungeon chamber But like with other twists, I can give the story leeway on this if it's eventually elaborated upon. The third twist is the nature of a slime that shows up. Slimes are traditional lowest level monsters in many Japanese origin, originating fantasy RPG games. And for the most part, that's no different here. Though at least one type can apparently spit poison. The twist is that... is is that an ultra-rare special white type exists, according to legend, can mimic human shape and work with them. Maybe someone has inspired by, you know, that time I got reincarnated as a slime, but it's still a neat idea. And both the opening color pages um, and the last regular page make it clear that the slime Toru finds is exactly on one of those, is one of those special kinds. A second humanoid character, apparently an elf wizard, is shown uh, in the color pages at the beginning. But this volume entirely involves around the introduction of uh, of the knight Rhea, who is featured on the front cover. Um, she's a very likable character and ideal kind of you know, waifu material for you people, I, I, I'm, I, I bet. Um, with a highly attractive character design and charming expressions. However, she isn't the slightest credible as a warrior type adventurer. Even if she is a fledging one, admittedly I am making an assumption on that last point since her stats have not been that shown, but it seems likely. She comes across uh, as too as too much soft for her occupation and a passion, and a especially too much trusting. Yeah, she has been through a tough experience, and Toru has been nice to her, but she is getting remarkably cozy, remarkably quickly, with an ex- uh, unknown wizard that she met in a dungeon. Some comments she makes suggest that she is at least of noble birth, perhaps even high enough to be associated with the royal family. However, any of those details about that will have to wait for a future item. Toru, by comparison, is a standard guy who's at least a bit of an otaku. Why he's a college dropout is not elaborated here, but hopefully will be at some point. As he seems to be resourceable, he seems to be resourceful, smart, and a reliable young person. The overall artistic effort in this uh, is appealing and real solid and consistent quality, but not especially strong. With a reasonable balance between the cute and the sexy being found in Rhea, her adventuring garb and armor do not much seem practical as usual, but they are pretty much Japanese fantasy RP standard. So, cribbing about that is pointless. The production by, the, um, by Seven Seas translates all sound effects and replaces the original entirely when there isn't much room in the picture. The actual manga part clocks, clocks in as only at 119 pages, with an additional short story by the author uh, Tokuguhuro taking up an extra 11 pages, including several chibi illustrations at the bottoms, um, at the page bottoms. This should be considered an central reading. As it explains a few relevant points that the manga does not really, um, add in a couple of congratulatory note pages, and you still have quite a short volume by American release standards. Um, and that's the main problem here: there is not enough material available yet to determine whether or not this is going to be worthwhile, or going to be a worthwhile title to follow. Its uh, positive points are currently being equally balanced out uh, by its utterly generic traits. So um, I'm I'm going to reserve judgment. Uh, on whether or not to recommend the series until seeing a second volume, uh, but overall, I'm gonna have to give it a C C+. Overall, it was probably C The story, um, maybe a C-. minus. The art was probably the best thing about it. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give that a B minus. Um, there was a lot of few I like. There was a few interesting twists on the basic concept on this Isekai genre. Um, the only downside to this that it was kind of generic and um, it was really short for for first for the for an opening volume i must say um but yeah this is my dungeon my room is a dungeon rest stop and it's a story and artist by uh takoyaki yoshi and the light novel the original creator from the story is uh toku uh tokuku huda um and if you guys want to hear me do do more of that work as I read further along, make sure you guys let me know whether on Twitter or, or voice message on anchor. And cause I, I, what am I reading it? Cause I do think there's some more to look into. Um, and I think there's some more elements they could probably, uh, delve into for this work. Um, now I wanted to get into a, a piece that, it, that I didn't think I would like, um, I'll get into it. I'll just go. I'll kind of just jump into it. It's um, I'm or Im the great priest Imhotep. So I'm guessing it's, it's called Aym. This, this is the uh, volume one. Um, and a quick synopsis for it. And in life, Imhotep was one of the greatest figures of ancient Egypt has ever known. But an unnamed sin caused him to be shunned for all time. Or at least until he was needed again. When evil beings known as Magai begin preying on mortals in the guise of Egyptian gods, Imhotep is revived to deal with him. His first stop, modern Japan, where a high school girl named uh, Hino, uh, Hinome has been a victim of a Magai for the past eight years. Imhotep is able to free her from it, but now she's stuck with him? Somehow this isn't seeming like a great deal for Hino, uh, Hinome. Um, if this one edge... Great Priest Imhotep has over its fellow Supernatural action series is that it's based in, in, its based in story in ancient Egypt mythology. Uh, that's certainly not unheard of in manga before, but the glee with the creator uh, Makoto uh, Morishita uses it, and the obvious research put into it makes their use of the mythology especially good, especially solid. Uh, while there are a few odd disconnects given the ancient Egypt attitude towards clothing, Eamon Anubis really shouldn't care about nudity, for the most part. And for the most part of this volume, offers this an entertaining take on the genre standards. Um, perhaps most relevant to any reader with an eye of ancient history is that the fact there really was a specific Imhotep that Morishita is drawing from. Uh, he was a uh, he was the chancellor to uh, Pharaoh, uh, and I don't know, I wrote this down because I was doing research on Imhotep, but I don't know how to pronounce this Pharaoh uh, Doscher, Doscher, D J O S E R. During the uh, the 2680s BCE, and the probable architect of the steeped pyramids at uh, Saqqara, where Doscher is buried. Um, in the 3,000 years after Imhotep's death, he was defiled. He was defied. He de- was deified, and among other godly associations. He's often aligned with uh, Thoth Thoth, and uh, uh, Skemet, that largely ignored. That's I mean, largely ignored in the manga. Although Skemet makes an appearance um, in favor of putting Imhotep with Anubis, the god of the dead and mummification, Uh, which frankly doesn't make more sense in the context of the story. Um, That's because the opening scenes make it clear that Imhotep has been dead for the requisite thousands of years. He's just been reanimated, revived because there's no way any way currently living can deal with the Mad Guy situation as it is. It also is a nice nod to the classic horror film *The Mummy* and his 1990s counterpart, where Imhotep is the name of the not uh, is you know name of the main mummy. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever watched that. with Brendan Fraser. Doesn't matter. Might be too young for that. Um, Thus, Eames Anubis Hat and the little Anubis pup who becomes his apprentice are related to his current state of being, rather than his uh, historic uh, persona. History aside, Great great Priest Imhotep does cleave fairly close to his genre standards. After Im's awakening in modern-day Egypt, he turns up naked in a river in Tokyo, where he quickly discovers that a particular type of monster, referred to as a a magai, uh, is possessing high school student Hinome. Naturally, you know, he establishes this by crashing into her on the street and landing in a compromised position, you know, the classic face and crotch, rather than its close cousin, Grababoo. It's ter- it turns out that Hinomai was possessed eight years ago when she opened a strange box her antiquarian father had, and that magi are demonic beings who live off the energy of humans they possess while trying to fool them into thinking that they're gods. In the case of Hinome's Magai, it took on the features of the Egyptian goddess uh, uh, Sekhmet. Later, we see one attempt uh, circuit, although he gets the gender wrong. After after Eve frees Hinome from the false goddess, he declares his intentions of moving into her house and bed, a development her father is only too thrilled to accept as a fan of ancient Egyptian history. (laughs) Shortly thereafter, a small Anubis puppy also joins them as Eam's apprentice. While there's not too much special going on going on about the setup or Hinome's resentment of it, although her objections to having her room painted in hieroglyphs is a bit extreme, the fact that Eam great priest Imhotep doesn't wallow in these conventions after having established them works in its favor. As a character, Eam is mostly concerned with Character, Ian is mostly concerned with getting rid of the Magai and keeping him from hearing Hinome again. Hence, his redecoration of room and his setting up camp in her house is both because her father's interests make it feel unfamiliar to him and because he seems generally to like her. What that, uh, what that liking entails is at this point up to the reader's interpretation, really. Im seems proud of the fact that because of his removal of the fake segment, Hinome can now make friends and have relationships with other people and find continually introduce himself as Hinome's first friend or as friend number one, suggesting that he values either his relationship with her or his hold on her. Given his other actions, the former seems more likely. But despite this, he's not massively driven to find and destroy Mormagai seemingly he seemingly seeming to enjoy his time in the world itself that of course is not to say that he's not ready and willing to take on more guy he finds or that he's not going out to look for them instead the search feels like it functions as his job and he's willing to do both it and have a life at the same time and this unwillingness to give up one in favor of the other makes the story feel a little more balanced than some of the others of its same ilk that Emotep may have a good reason for his desire to have both job and regular school and regular life rooted in the past does come up at the end of the volume. And that and the introduction of a new character both make for a case for reading volume 2. Eam, Great Priest Emotep, isn't perfect or completely devoid of genre tropes, believe me. But it's a good story with an interesting use of ancient Egypt mythology at its base. The art's use of heavy lines and lots of gray tone work in its favor too, and the hieroglyphs and the other in- Egyptian uh, icon- iconography and are smoothly incorporated. Uh, Hinome and Anubis can get irritating at times, but there's enough to here to make feel like like a good bet, especially since it only runs to imaginable eleven volumes. Um, I thought this was a pretty strong manga. I will not lie. I thought overall this would might this might have to be a um, Overall, I might have to give this a B minus. Uh, the story would have to be a B, and then the art I thought was the best, best of the best thing about this, and I, that's a B plus for me. I really liked how uh, interesting, you know, the concepts of the the, the ancient uh, Egypt mythology that's used mixed with the genre staples. Um, the only thing I didn't really like was it kind of drags in the middle of this volume. Some it just kind of gets not boring but it kind of does drag a little bit and, kinda, and it's noticeable and Hinome as a character I'm not quite sure how I feel about her quite yet she does seem to overreact and goes a little too far most of the time um, but that's my review on Eam the Great Priest and what's happened? and also with my review with the uh, my room is my or my room is a dungeon stop store thing, I <laughs> almost forgot the, almost forgot the, uh, the name of the other piece of work, but those are my manga uh, reviews for this week, I hope you guys enjoyed, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as a whole, especially because I haven't seen y'all, I haven't talked to y'all in a little bit, and it's been a, it's been a minute, um, but we're gonna get back on track, we're gonna have some more guests, I'm gonna have a lot more topics, we're gonna talk a lot about some of the spring animes that are coming up, um, I'm going to do an episode with just the with just the winter anime. I'm going to kind of do a winter anime wrap up episode as well. Um, we got the Soul Eater retrospective in the works. I'm looking to get somebody to do that with me, with a guest that I've had on the show. She's excited about to do it. I'm excited to do it. We can't wait to do it. Um, also, you got to look out for the uh, my winter or my spring anime 2020 first impressions. That's going to be coming out in a, in a week in a week or so, about two weeks actually. Um, and then also doing the um another a genre heavy topic like i did in my first episode with sports and manga i will be doing shoujo and manga shojo manga talking about shojo and manga and the anime its roots where i see it going forward some of the most notable titles and like i did in sports anime it, with, with the sports topic i will be listing my top 10 favorite um shoujo anime and manga i don't know if i'll do two lists but you'll be hearing my top 10 pieces of work from that genre um, seemed not, and my list may be a little bit different from you guys for people who kind of, you know, kind of eat that manga and watch that anime heavy. So, my list might be a little different, so you definitely have to check that out. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that's going in the works. I got some few guests, um, that are about three or four guests into the future that we're gonna be planning to do some episodes over these next few weeks. Um, so it's going to be a lot, a lot of good Weeb content. So I hope you guys will stick around, keep watching, um, keep I mean, keep listening, keep sharing, and hopefully even consider supporting uh, monetarily, which you can do at anchor.fm slash Weebcast slash support. Um, it's also in the description of not only this episode, but all the other previous episodes. And wherever you may be listening to this podcast, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, Overcasts, anywhere Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio. Um make sure you guys rate it, follow it, subscribe to it, uh, review it, let me know what you think about it on on those platforms or on Twitter. Um cuz all of it is very much appreciated and I love all the feedback so far. Um I could tell over this last hiatus I was looking at some of the some of the stuff some of the previous episodes. Um, you guys really enjoyed some of my, uh, some of my, I think you guys enjoyed where I'd review some manga and do news at the same time with my B Stars episode and, um, some other things like that. So I might just keep that as a running thing. Um, but I won't hold you guys for too long. Um, cause I got, there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of writing, script writing, it gotta be done. And, um, at least it's keeping myself busy in these, in these times of, uh, of hardship. And, uh, and I hope you guys will find this podcast as a soothing, um, voice to, you know, get through your day, even if it's just for an hour or two. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you for letting me, letting my, allow my voice into your ears and into your homes. Expect more juicy anime and manga content, uh, on this podcast. Cause I'm Audi 3000. It's your fearless later to see, dumb. Make sure you guys hit that stand up salute. I will see you guys next time. Out.